I've been more and more mindful the, the closer it gets to the time when we're leaving, just how much I love all of you. And, and I, I appreciated uh, Jason giving me the opportunity to uh, take his spot today. Um, Jason does a wonderful job, and, um, but I appreciate it because I, 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 I feel like I can't express enough how much you guys have meant to me over the past nine, ten years. So I just wanted to take another opportunity to say that. <clears throat> so uh, kind of the main passage that I want to look at uh, to kind of jumpstart the lesson for today is from 1 Corinthians 3. If you would turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. A very well-known passage that we, we refer to often here. Uh, the context is that uh, the Corinthians were fighting amongst one another, kind of taking sides or kind of associating themselves with certain uh, teachers over others. You know, I am of Paul, I'm of Apollos, things like that. And Paul tries to help them recenter their attitude about this and realize that Paul, Apollos, they're just servants of God, right? And in verse 6 and 7, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow, the NIV says, or God gives the increase, right? So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So that's what I really want to focus on um, this afternoon is the idea of God making things grow in two primary ways. One, in our conversion but then also in um, our spiritual growth. You might say in the sprouting as well as the flourishing, right? And while um, the planting and the watering are super important, as well, our seeking the Lord, our deciding to follow the Lord, our efforts to repent, to change, to live for the Lord are super important. Um, there is a responsibility that all of us have. We could not do it without God. And that's really what I want to focus on. And I'm going to be identifying both, really both sides, that we have a responsibility, as well as God does a work in us. Uh, but I really am focusing more on that latter one, even though both are true. Because the truth is, if you put a seed in the ground, you could water it all day long. But if God doesn't do anything, that seed will not grow. You might as well just put a stone in the ground. Um, I could put a whole bag of seeds in the ground and water it all day long. But if it's not for God, it won't grow. That's really what this passage teaches us, right? God is the one who makes it grow. Um, a talk that uh, Jason gave recently about uh, growing in love and how realizing that praying that God would help us grow in love and realizing that God works in us to help us with that, where we are deficient, is a way forward. Because I can, I, I can with all my might, try to grow in love, and I should. But apart from God, you won't see that growth. And so a way forward is to know that I depend on God ultimately to help me with that. And so that kind of jump-started my thinking about this in a way as well. That God doesn't just merely work on us externally, but also internally. And there are many passages that talk about that. So that's, those are the kind of some of the passages we're going to be exploring this afternoon. So first I want to see how, how is it that God makes it grow in our conversion or in the conversion of others. The first passage is the one that Grady read. And that's in Mark 4. If you would turn over there again. <clears throat> Mark chapter 4. 
I think it's cool that you have kind of in this set of parables in Mark 4, really you see both sides actually in that uh, the parable of the sower, which is a well-known passage, talks about the soil and the seed being planted on the soil and how there's different types of soil. Of course, that represents the idea of different kinds of hearts that hear the word preached to them and how they react differently to it. That shows there is a responsibility we have and our heart matters. How we react to the word matters. It's going to either produce fruit or not. But I think this parable, which is only recorded in Mark um, about the parable of the growing seed, emphasizes God's work on the seed and how the farmer just plants it and he doesn't even know how it grows. I'm going to read it one more time. It says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts in the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So the emphasis, you might say, in the parable of the sower is the, what kind of soil, what kind of heart do we have? But the emphasis in this passage clearly is that the farmer just plants the seed, but God is the one that makes it grow. He doesn't even know how it happens, right? And uh, I, w- I just want to emphasize the fact that apart from God, um, this seed would not grow. God is the one who converts the heart. And so that leads us to, as we're sowing the seed, um, to trust God in our evangelism. Um, I shamefully have at times gone out to try to talk to people and never even prayed about it. That's not trusting in God, right? If anyone is going to be converted, it's, beca- it's going to be because of the Lord. And I, I do have that responsibility to sow the seed, to water the seed, to tell people. Um, but apart from the Lord working on their heart, it will not grow. A little bit of a humorous illustration. Um, someone I know, I'm not going to mention their name, when they, uh, were, had, they had a surgery that they went through, they were on anesthetic, but then as they were coming out of their anesthesia, said, uh, I did my surgery. You know, I was a big girl, I did my surgery. And uh, we, we, we just laugh about that sometimes, but that's almost like it would be if I said, like, well, I, can, I converted that person, right? It's um, as if to say, you know, or, or maybe speaking of myself, right? That I uh, was able to save myself, right? Uh, is, is as silly as the person who just under anesthetic was, had their surgery to say, I did my surgery. I, 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 I healed myself. Because ultimately it's the great physician that heals us, right? We can't heal ourselves. And uh, we submit ourselves to the doctor's hands, right? But the doctor is the one that does that surgery and heals us. Let's look at another passage. Uh, it's First Thessalonians 1. 1 Thessalonians 1. And again, there are plenty of passages that emphasize the, our responsibility to respond to the gospel, right? Um, I'm just particularly emphasizing the ones that show God's work in it. So, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. 
So if many times people hear the words of the gospel, right, but do not respond to them, right, and uh, part of that has to do with the soil, we know that from this parable of the sower, but also God is at, it shows that God is also at work in converting the heart um, because it speaks of coming with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Notice how the Holy Spirit and deep conviction there are paired, they're put together. Uh, because the Holy Spirit does work in convicting us. And Paul knew that they had been chosen, not because they saw miracles. I don't think that in this case, that's what's being talked about there. Because lots of people see miracles in the New Testament, but had not been converted. Uh, But it's because the Holy Spirit's work was evidenced in their conversion. That was evidence that the Holy Spirit was at work. And though this work in them was not simply words, the Holy Spirit does use the word to work. This is a, a, in, this, in these two chapters, you see both things. Look at 2.13. 2.13. It says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. This very much emphasizes the aspect of accepting the word, right? Verses, uh, chapter one, verse four and five emphasize the idea that the Holy Spirit was at work in convicting them. And then 2.13 emphasizes the fact that when they received the word, they didn't just receive it as human words, but as God's word. And in that way, the, the Holy Spirit convicted them. They accepted the word of God. So you see really both of those things there. Look also in John chapter six, John chapter six. Uh, look at verse 44. It says, No one can come to me, Jesus speaking here, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Also look at verse 65. He says, He went on, uh, he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And so, there, in this passage, there were, there were people who did uh, come to Jesus, also people who did not. Uh, there, this was a, a moment when many deserted Jesus, many left him. But he says very clearly that the Father is at work in converting, right, in drawing people to him. And people can either respond to that or not, but they ultimately can't come to him unless he makes it grow. I think that's, again, where we see this idea. Let's look at a specific example in uh, the book of Acts as well. Acts 16. Acts 16, and this is where uh, Paul has come to Philippi with Silas. And beginning in verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the, uh, the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So in this case as well, God worked within her so that she responded to the message. This was, of course, not apart from her will. Uh, She 
uh, chose to respond to the Lord. But nevertheless, God was still at work here, and it, and it shows that aspect of it. Um, he was at work in her heart to spur her on to conversion. Um, another passage, and the last one we'll look at in this section, is Philippians 2. I think this is a, an excellent passage to really show how there's a, uh, we have responsibility as well as um, God is at work in conversion. In Philippians 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So verse 12 very clearly emphasizes the idea that you need to work out your salvation, right? There is a responsibility we have with humility, with fear, to seek the Lord, and uh, that that seeking is necessary. As well, we're not left alone in this, right? Verse 13 emphasizes that God works in us. He helps us with that. Um, We can't do it alone, actually. And that he works in us in two ways, to will and to work. So he works on our desire as well as our actions, um, both in that. And so, again, the, the, the lesson here is that God ultimately is the one who makes that seed grow within us and within those who we try to teach. I want to look at a couple lessons, I think, that we see from this. There's uh, the two points that I made from that, that passage. God is the one that converts the heart. He is the one that makes it grow. Now, again, uh, we have a responsibility in that, but God ultimately works on the heart in that way. So when we spread the word, when we teach this, when we spread the seed, we need to trust in God in that. We need to pray, ask God to be working as we sow the seed, as we water it. Um, We depend upon him for that. We will ultimately be unsuccessful if the Lord is not with us as we go out and teach his word. Also, remember that the work of conversion in you, God had a part in. God made it grow. That brings us humility, right? If I think I save myself, I'm the one, like 100% me, right? In my conversion, I'm going to be so prideful and I'm going to look down upon other people because I'm going to think I'm the one who did this. You just need to do it, right? But if I realize that it was God at work in me, that he was the one that worked in my conversion, then uh, that's going to bring the proper humility that I need to care about other people, to love God in the right way, to realize that God has done an amazing thing to me that I don't deserve at all. So I also want to look, uh, we looked at the sprouting, right, the conversion moment, and, but then also how God continues to work on us. He does not leave us alone after conversion. He continues to make it flourish, to make it grow in our lives. So I want to look at a couple of passages that em- emphasize this. Um, we don't have to go back there, but that very passage in Mark 4 didn't just talk about how he doesn't know, the farmer doesn't know how it sprouts, but also it describes in detail how one leaf after another, the, the plant grows. And finally, until it's mature. Um, it, it, it almost takes pains to kind of, Jesus there takes pains to describe the process of growth of the plant, right? And it takes time. Um, but God is involved in that as well. He's involved in every step of the process of growth in our lives. Take a look at um, Ephesians chapter 3. Let's turn there. 
This is one that uh, Jason read when he was uh, giving his exhortation the other night. But I want to just kind of look at this again in Ephesians 3. This really is a, it's a prayer of Paul's for the Ephesians. And he says, beginning in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So he prays ultimately, the way I would sum this up, because there's a lot of different phrases here, but the way I would sum this up is that he prays ultimately that the Spirit, that the Spirit gives them power, gives them power to love, to love like Christ, and to understand his love. And where specifically does it say there in verse 16 that the Holy Spirit gives us that power? It says in our inner being, right? That's where we need it. Uh, but, the, but again, it's showing, just as it said in Ephesians 2.13, that God works in you. Here, the Holy Spirit gives us power in our inner being. To do what, ultimately? He says, I pray that you may have power, verse 18, ultimately to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To grasp the, all the dimensions, all the uh, aspects of the, of the love of Christ and to know his love. But notice what it says there, verse 19, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that's beyond knowledge, right? Only with the Holy Spirit's power. Only with the Holy Spirit's power working in you. So again, it shows our incapability alone, right? Our frailty, our weakness alone, we can't do this. But God, uh, working in us, can. Um, he can help us really know, understand how to love one another, how to love uh, one another in a way that the world cannot do. In the, in the world, for example, uh, they love those who love them, right? Scripture says that, Jesus says that. Uh, but to love your enemies, that's another worldly kind of love. And it's only through the Holy Spirit working in us that that can happen. We depend on him in that. Think about some other areas of growth. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So Paul, when he starts writing this letter, he had come, he expresses how he had come uh, looking for Titus and couldn't find him. But then his heart was refreshed when he found Titus. And Titus knew the Corinthians there. He loved them. But notice how he expresses Titus's love for the Corinthians, it says in verse 16, Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. So Paul credits God for putting into Titus this concern for the Corinthians, the same concern that Paul had. God's the reason why he had that love for them. Does it, can it be explained in any other way? But then in verse 17, it's interesting because it also mentions that Titus himself was enthusiastic and he was on his own initiative going to them. Um, he wanted to. And so you see both, again, uh, Titus' 
God working in him as well as him taking initiative to go and to be with them. Let's look at one more passage about this. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It's a well-known passage about the Spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, all the the characteristics that we know of of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience. I I, I don't think for a long time I really understood, and I'm still coming to understand, what that was, what those were. Because uh, the idea there, I believe, is that these are the kinds of things that are produced in your life as, as evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in you. We already saw in Ephesians 3 how the Holy Spirit works in our inner being, gives us power to love in the way that Christ loves. And, and, and other things too, joy, peace, all those things. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in us. Because a lot of times I, I've heard it asked, well, well, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't work in us uh, miraculously today. But how does the Holy Spirit work? Well, here's a passage that expresses really clearly the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit does in the believer, in the Christian. Produces these kinds of qualities. This is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in you. The Holy Spirit is involved in our work, in our inner being. And we have a responsibility to pursue these kind of uh, characteristics in our lives. But ultimately, we cannot live them out apart from the Lord working in us. God makes it grow. But notice, uh, I'm going to read 16 through 18. 16 through 18. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, desire, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So notice how it, it talks about what we need to do in two different ways regarding the Spirit. In verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit. That sounds like a very active thing we choose to do, right? I choose to do the things that the Spirit desires, right? These kinds of things like love, peace, and joy. But then also in verse 18, it says it a little bit differently. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit. That sounds like a little bit more giving it over to the God to do it, right? Uh, so you, again, see both aspects of that. Well, I need to walk by the Spirit. I need to choose to follow the Spirit. But also, I need to be led by the Spirit. Allow Him to work in me. So both are true. Both need to be part of our lives in order for us to grow. I want to look at uh, just a few lessons from these passages. One God continues to work in us beyond our conversion. He cares for us. He's not going to leave us alone, right? Um, after we're converted, we don't have to f- be afraid. Well, can I do it? Can I, can I live the Christian life? God's going to be with you. He will be with you. He will walk with you every step of the way. We need to trust God in our spiritual growth. So that means just as much as we would pray when we go out and sow the seed, tell people about the word, we pray for those hearts that we told about Jesus. We need to pray for our own hearts, right? Because we desperately need God in our own growth. And knowing our own frailty, our own weakness, gives us a way forward in our spiritual growth, right? Because if I thought it was all up to me, then once I thought I was doing everything I could, where where is the next step of growth for me? Pray about it. God will will help you in ways that you don't yet see how you need to grow. God will help you in that. 
um, and he is at work within you. I want to just look at one last verse there. Um, Romans 8, 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The context in that passage is that often when we suffer, when we groan in this life, we don't know what to pray about. I know that's often been true for me. How do I pray about this? But that's the passage where it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us in our prayers and groanings deeper than words. Um, that's another way that, the, that God works within us to help us grow and to help us pray appropriately, even in our weakness where we can't pray, to help us in that. So I want to encourage all of us to trust God, both in conversion as well as in our spiritual growth. God causes it to sprout and to flourish. He makes it grow.